Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to the Forever Friends podcast with me, Christina. And me, Jess. Based on over 20 years of friendship and countless conversations, this podcast is built on trust, honesty, and security, where we want to share a space to talk about all things self-love, health, and young adulthood. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and join the Forever Friends community on our social media pages at Forever Friends Pod. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hi guys, welcome back to the Forever Friends podcast. Today we're going to be talking all about careers, adulting and internships with the fabulous founder of Intern 24-7, Hannah Rafter. Thank you so much for coming on to our podcast, Hannah. It's a pleasure to have you here, and we are both really interested to hear more about Intern 24-7. So we saw on your social that the Intern 24-7 shares insights from young individuals navigating the realities of being a young adult in the interning working world. Would you like to explain a little bit more about this Intern 24-7? Firstly, hello everyone. Um... (laughs) Can I just say, did I mention your last name correctly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I've had all sorts. I've had Ratter. <laughs> I was like, oh. Raffy. So, no, it's <laughs> perfect. Um, wow, where to start, really? I mean, the Intern 247 was really something that I started on a plane, actually. Um, so, I was coming back to London from interning and living in New York. And Amazing. I... Yeah, very <laughs> privileged. Um, and I was kind of really reflecting on what had just happened to me in a, in a positive light. So mm. I uh, in turn took time out of uni to intern for 18 months and I was sort of on my phone, uh, pitch black and on a plane. And I was just <laughs> going through the camera roll of my, on my iPhone and just really reliving sort of backstage, behind the scenes funny stuff, people I'd met, you know, all the sorts of random crap that you can really get on your phone. <laughs> and I was kind of, I think it was the first time that I'd properly sat down and I wasn't distracted to really reflect on what I'd just been through. Mm. And I was kind of, uh, you know, smiling, reliving stressful moments. But also I think the overarching feeling I had was how unprepared I was felt to what I'd just been through oh, really? and yeah and and feeling like it was incredible yeah. but I kept thinking but if I'd known what I know sitting on this plane now before I started i.e what it was going to be like you know uh, lessons learned all that sort of mm. stuff uh, would I have had a better experience and you know um, I'm not a believer of having regrets but I was kind of just thinking about what I would tell my younger self or yeah. what I would tell mm. myself from day one to what I know now. Mm. Um, so I kind of was just thinking about that and I was reflecting on it and then I came home and uh, I was sort of showing my parents and my friends who, uh, none, none of which work in the industry, all of, you know, people I'd met, celebrities I'd worked with, you know, all the sort of glamorous stuff, I guess, that they might be interested in. <laughs> and I guess as I was doing it, I was subconsciously just talking through uh, how I got to be in that position of, I don't know, being, working with the Kardashians or Jenners or how I got to be in that room or how I oh got God. to attend that meeting. <laughs> I was just su- subtly doing because they were asking me the questions. And my mum actually said, this is really interesting. Like, I work in education and I'd had no idea what you've just done for the past 18 months. Yeah. Um, mm. And also the way you were explaining it was really, like, invaluable and helpful. 
Um, and I, and then from her saying that and then me reflecting on what I'd thought about while I was on that plane, I thought, hang on a minute, this could be helpful for someone. But I was very anti-blogging at the time and I didn't understand how you could have mm. a blog that didn't revolve around yourself and images of yourself because mm. not me at all. I couldn't give... I couldn't care slightest what I looked like and I hate my photo being taken. So I was like, how is this going to work? So what, how it all started was, is I decided to create an Instagram that basically would reflect my camera roll. So I would upload from day one any photos that I had that I was probably allowed to upload. And I would write in a comment as a caption, basically the kind of conversation I would have with my mum or yeah. I would explain the photo, how I got to be in that position maybe a funny story that happened or something really crazy that uh, happened or something bad or stressful, whatever it may be. Mm. It was very honest. Um, mm. And I maybe did that six times. I believe maybe six photos. And, and my friend was like, you need to hashtag, like, really bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> and I was... You like, what's a hashtag? <laughs> oh, my, yeah, I literally, I was... I was in the world and I obviously knew but I just thought yeah but hashtagging sort of suggests that I want people to read it and I, I still didn't put two and two together yeah. I just thought it was just me almost diary entering letting it all go yeah. so I did I started to hashtag and within a week I had a thousand followers oh my god you know, that's amazing yeah I mean so now crazy really crazy um, crazy engagement now but and back then I was like what is going on yeah and you know my, <laughs> my sister was like what have you started um, and I, I guess it wasn't even just about the followers um, and people commenting saying mm. oh my goodness who are you I'm going through the same thing or that really helped me I'm really interested in starting in the fashion industry I'm about to apply to uh, uni all this sort of stuff yeah but the amount of emails I got was mm. really and dms was really phenomenal um so I felt like I was sitting on something yeah and I basically just continued for about three months until I ran out of uh, things to say and the camera roll basically stopped. And I had a lot of people emailing and the following increased and people saying, we want you to expand, we want you to answer questions um, that you haven't covered yet. And because I didn't have imagery, mm. I didn't just upload mm. blank yeah. images within just my thoughts. So I just didn't understand how to do it. How did that like, make you feel? Like having people kind of message you? And... I felt really overwhelmed, if I'm honest. Yeah. I was in my final year of university and I was writing a dissertation on fa uh, fashion and feminism. And I thought, what is going on? <laughs> um, how the hell do you find yeah, it? <laughs> I, I felt pressure to answer and respond. So I would mm. respond to every mm. single email and every single comment and every single DM um, but also frustrated at that I was right like frustrated that there is a lack of information and there's 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 not actually that's incorrect there's a ton of information but it's all written by women sitting in Vogue telling you how to get a fashion internship mm. when they haven't done one in 10 years yeah. or they don't actually know what it's like to be someone who has to get up an hour and a half earlier because they're living at home because they're not being paid to travel mm. then for 50 minutes to then sit in an office and not never being told by anyone that you know what it's going to be like because mm. your parents work as teachers but that yeah. woman who's telling you how to get a fashion internship probably got that internship through having their godmother work for yeah. Yeah. and they probably are traveling in from west london yeah. 
and they don't go through the same thing. And I want to put it out there that I'm completely middle class. I grew up in Hampshire. I could afford to take an unpaid internship. I went to university to study fashion. And that was me having the privileged route in my eyes. And I was unbelievably lucky, you know, compared to, you know, being in Manchester where there's no fashion opportunities. I mean, there's more now, but back then yeah. there wasn't. And imagine wanting to do yeah. fashion up there or in Sheffield yeah. or Leicester. So I felt really lucky. Um, but then when I was reading these articles, I was like, this woman hasn't got a clue. Or, you know, it kind felt of, very stale. You need to be able to read it from someone who's actually experienced yeah. the realities. Of yeah. All the, you know, the good and the bad times. Yeah, and, and it also to feel really human. And, yeah. like, I wanted my personality to show and I swore and I, you know, mm-hmm. never really edited my captions. And it felt like as if you weren't able to text a friend yeah. who just started their first day. We love that. The best that's what we, that's yeah. what we want. Like, yeah. we want to just be relatable. And Authentic. I just think yeah. social media has just come so far away from that. Yeah, for sure. And I well, think I mean, everyone's talking tough. about being relatable and, you know, well, being your authentic self. Well, but yeah. that's also a product of people... Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, people who people who call themselves authentic bloggers still have teams behind them making yeah. them authentic bloggers. Yeah. So I really wanted to. I, I sort of said to myself, if I'm going to do this, and I'm going to commit myself to it, and I'm going to spend time, basically giving hundreds of people at the time. It's now thousands, but hundreds of people at the time, daily advice and being really honest about what I went through and times that I messed mm. up, but also times when I succeeded and I wasn't going to be ashamed of that. Mm. I wanted to do it in a funny way and I wanted to do it in a relatable way where it wasn't look at me, look at me. It was a, yeah, I managed to do all this cool stuff. Now let me help you based on what I'd learned because I did do things differently and what I managed to achieve wasn't the norm. So I wanted to sort of give back. So that then started into a website which then started into me fully writing blog posts, Mm -hmm. which I did for about two years. Oh no, that's a lie. Maybe about a year by on myself, own, yeah. by myself, and then that got picked up by people like Fashion United and other websites who were starting to ask me to contribute, but as the voice of the intern two four seven, um, and then I went on the BBC, um, so sitting next to Victoria Derbyshire and Emily Sheffield, who was the uh, deputy editor of Vogue at the time, and then from there the sort of site blew up and um, mm. got really popular. Um, so yeah, it, it all started really from Instagram and me basically just sharing my. So what photos. age were you when it started? So I was in my final uni, so I was twenty. I just turned oh, okay, twenty one. So yeah. I just turned twenty one. Oh my god! So it's still kind of like fresh. Yeah, kind yeah, of. Not kind in my of. eyes, but no, but yeah, it's kind <laughs> yeah. of fresh. Well, it is in terms of like you read about people like Leandro Medine who started Man Rapello, who was like it's my 10 year baby yeah, um, yeah. but for me as well is it feels like a long time because the subject matters old to me yeah uh, the giving advice on careers is not I still do that on the regular but I haven't been an intern in a very long time yeah. so a lot of people would tell me Stuff your subject true. matter is has a time frame Hannah what are you going to do when you're no longer an intern mm. or what are you going to do when you're a graduate and you're not even close to have been an intern yeah. and then very quickly I went from once I graduated and, and the blog was in full swing and I started contributing to Fashion United and mm-hmm. writing for other websites 
I felt very removed from being an intern, mm. almost hypocritical for mm. telling people how to get an internship. Because I almost felt I, I was the, almost like the Vogue 35-year-old. Because yeah. I, I felt like I hadn't had an yeah. internship interview in a while or I was all of a sudden managing interns and I thought, right, we need to take a spin on that. And that's when the writers came because I wanted to always have voices on the blog yeah. who are currently in the position. So how many writers do you have now? We are on 10. So do you still recruit and things? Yeah, so, I mean, it's not really a case of recruiting. I've never put out a job ad. So how the writers really started was I was um, starting my first job out of uni. I was doing freelance work based on work that I'd got from the interns, Mm -hmm. so paid commission writing work, um, as well as doing guest lecturing and all that sort of stuff. Um, And I took a break from the intern and had a bit of a, what am I doing? I'm never going to be an intern again. Like, this was the most stupidest idea. <laughs> like, there was a time, as I said, there was a time sort of frame on it. Like, what are you going to do to talk about interning for the rest yeah. of your life? But I was still had the feeling of the amount of people that email you saying that you've helped them or the amount of people that are still emailing you with questions you know the answers to, how frustrating that you don't answer them. Yeah. Because you know the answers. Um, or that you don't even get other people to help. And I think then having the time off some people some of the girls who now write for the site emailed me saying look I'm basically you two years ago (laughs) I'm in the middle of it I've got three internships to go let me do what you did and write for the site and obviously I was like well what (laughs) I was like I thought you joking like why would you want to do that and I also wasn't business businessy enough then and I was like but this was just my thing, like, what? Um, and I thought, wait a sec, this is perfect, mm-hmm. because I'm moving into a different area of my career where I can basically give advice from the other mm-hmm. side. I was hiring interns, I was managing them, I was finally understanding what it was like to be on the other foot, which is so unbelievably interesting. Get someone else to do the intern side, and also to keep the content fresh and to give different perspectives because the site has never been about me. It's mm. I've never really shown my face. The only place you'll see me is on the Meet the Team page where I've got one photo. Oh, yeah. I'm not sort of like posing with the Kardashians and sort of putting a love heart around my face. Like <laughs> I've never it's never been about me. It was about mm. the idea of the idea of an intern and that's mm. where the name come from. It's not HannahRafter.com. Mm. So I knew that if these other girls who were going to contribute, they had to also be okay with not adopting a sort of personality Mm -hmm. on the website. It was never going to be about us. It's about the idea of what we were talking about. So yeah, very slowly, um, Mel, who is living in New York, she was the first writer. From then came Caitlin, who's in LA. And then people started to see that other people were writing for the site Mm -hmm. because they get complete ownership over their content. Uh, They've got an author's page, obviously, the meet the team. I tag them in anything on Instagram. So they fully get um, that, you know, they own the work. And it's really funny now because when we email, it used to be like, dear Hannah or hi Hannah. And now it's like, dear Mel, hi Kate, (laughs) Jess, comma. (laughs) And it's like, it's so funny for me because the first time I received hi Mel, I was like, oh, no one like gives a shit about me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But now I love it because people read the site because they want to follow a certain yeah. person's journey. Yeah. So yeah, the bringing on writers and allowing people to share their stories 
uh, has been like the best thing I've ever mm. done. I love that you've kind of, I don't know if you'd call it like a niche or your unique selling point, but you, you're very clear on like what, how you want to present it. The fact mm. that you don't want people to kind of be sh- be shy, Shiny. but it is all just mm. about you know interning. Like mm. I love that. I think that's really strong. Yeah, um, and. I mean, I'm very, I'm very business minded sense now. But I thought if this is going to be a thing, it needs to be different. Mm. And one thing that when I was starting it, blogs were about was all about the person writing it. I thought yeah. it was so boring, mm. rather than the idea of the selflessness of it. Like mm. it's not about us. Mm. We, what do we gain from it? That that is the whole point of the site and what we get uh, applauded for, which I'm so proud about is. Nothing that we do for the site is for us. Yeah. We won't Honestly, ever, we won't ever benefit from sharing how we got somewhere or how we uh, like loopholes into LinkedIn and how we got to message Jane Shepperson from Whistles. Like yeah. we don't gain if anything, people will say, Why would you want to share all of that? Because we're never I mean, uh, the girls who are still interning, that's just because they're incredibly kind, but I'm never going to be an intern again. I'm never going to have to go through that process again. Therefore, sort of, who am I based on how successful I've been? Why wouldn't I share that? But yeah. I grew. I went to a university where we were a hundred, a uh, hundred people wanting to get into fashion, and no one would tell each other how they were emailing mm-hmm. HR and how they got that interview at ASOS. <laughs> you can so relate. True. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, oh, forget that. Like, yeah. I'm not saying I wasn't competitive at the time. I was desperate to get a first internship, and I definitely wanted to be the most amazing one. And, and it definitely wasn't the career path that no one in my course was jealous of because they yeah. hadn't heard of the people I was working for. Why do you think that is, that people do that, that they kind of, you know, get these interviews and they don't really talk about it? Or... Well, I think it's an every man for themselves yeah. um, kind of policy. Mm. And we're all guilty of it. Yeah. We're all... Definitely. You know, where oh, I love your dress. Where did you get it from? The first thought is, I hope they don't buy it. Mm. But we all are guilty. No, but we are yeah. all guilty. Of, yeah, yeah. It, whether it's about what you wear yeah. or the jobs you <laughs> yeah. do or where no, you, it's so true. Yeah. Where you learn how to sort of like uh, I don't know, upskill a dress or something. Mm. We all want to hold on to something that we've discovered because mm. we did it. We achieved it. Mm. Um, I definitely think like, and I'm guilty of it still today. Yeah, some things I don't want to share. Yeah. Uh, even stuff like how the blog became successful, I'm still inclined to... I, I've given a lot of advice for people who want to start similar things or start businesses, and I've, I've mentored um, people who are actually technically competitors of mine. Mm. Um, but there are some things that I'm like, no, that's that's actually what makes us unique. Yeah. And that's different. Yeah. But then, you know, like, don't use WordPress, use this to begin with, it's cheaper. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't gain anything from keeping that kind of stuff. No, it's just yeah, called yeah. good karma, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think the fashion industry is incredibly competitive. And uh, we are, you know, told that from the get-go. It's very competitive, you might not get the job you want. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it's drilled into, okay, every man for themselves from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Which is sad, but... Uh, do you think it's like glamorized? Hundred percent. Mm. Which is really tricky because I think where where was it? I oh I think I wrote an Instagram on my personal Instagram all about the intern and we hit a really big milestone in terms of viewership. And I think like one of my comments was this started as me wanting to talk about an 18-year-old who didn't give a shit about fashion going into one of the most glamorised industries in the world. 
And it was more because my personal friends mm. would be like, this is hilarious that the blog became successful because you were the least likely person to do yeah. it. So it was almost like a dig to myself. Do they still say that now? Or? 100%. Yeah. They might <laughs> find it hilarious that you have a blog. Yeah. Like, we find it so funny. Um, although I wouldn't really call the internet a blog anymore. I'd call it a platform. Um, yeah. But... I do think that fashion is still glamorised. And even in the negative sense, like, people glamorise the fact that they have to work extra hours. And, yeah. like, it's like the glamorising slavery of it. But yeah. deep down, actually... I'm, I'm using the word slavery, by the way, very loosely. But, you know, <laughs> the idea of, oh, I'm going to work my ass off, but then that one day when I make chief marketing officer at Burberry, mm. I'll be able to tell the tale of how I survived it all. I do think, <laughs> but I do think people yeah. almost romanticise it in a weird sort of sense mm. of, you know, um, how lucky am I that I get to do this and all this sort of yeah, stuff. Almost. But it is completely glamorised and I do still believe, and people will disagree with me, that my, from my experiences, I... Especially when I was in marketing and PR, so I was working for marketing uh, and PR agencies in London and New York, it was completely glamorised, you know, it was mm. who on the team's going to what party tonight, mm. and what goodie bag from the L Style Awards are we all going to get, and how many gift cards do you reckon will be in it, mm. and you know, which celebrities, which one of you looking after tonight, and, and I'd be lying if I said that mm. when I was in it, I thought it was ludicrous, mm. and kind of fascinating at the same time I mean I didn't know who anyone was which because uh, I don't watch like reality TV so mm. I didn't watch the Kardashians so when I like worked with them I didn't know who Kylie yeah. Jenner was and you know which is really funny now <laughs> Seems like, I, could, I haven't ever watched she could that. squish me with her like pinky toe um, <laughs> but she's so famous but um, it is still completely uh, glamorised the fun side of fashion the not so fun side of fashion in in to the public eye, I'm sure the people that do those jobs love it, would be people like the garment technologists, the merchandisers, the people who decide how much the dress that you're currently wearing is, the people who are doing fitting and uh, how the garments are made. Um, that's not glamorised, that's a normal job. They, yeah. they sit down and they look at Excel spreadsheets all the time. Yeah. So I think it's very tricky when people glamorise whole industries because mm. there is, a bit like you could say the music industry, if you're a PR mm. um, agent in the music industry, your life is incredible. But if you are a sound technician who sits in the basement all day long, never gets to meet the artist, never gets recognition, mm. is working in music so cool? Yeah, kind of thing yeah, yeah, yeah. but they might love their job yeah. so I think that certain areas of fashion is glamorised and I do think it's glamorous and I do think that if you love that lifestyle there are perks um, mm. but I wouldn't say the whole industry is glamorised mm. do you think that's why it is hard like because that is why it is so competitive because of um, how glamorous it is you know how we're such like a you know what I mean yeah. like I feel like Images are just everywhere, visuals, you know, we're all kind of like... I think it's the area you want to go into. That. I think that if you want to be the person who runs ASOS's social media, mm. yeah, you've got a hard mm. you've got a hard shot getting into that. Yeah, and I guess if it's like well-established brands and it's yeah. going to be competitive mm. because, yeah. you know, so many people want to work. And that's like my, I think my number one most read blog post when I first started my first year was... I, I did a whole piece on company snobbery 
and how if you if you truly wanted to work in the industry you would broaden your horizons in your re uh, outreach of companies you'd want to work for so mm -hmm. people used to sort of meet me in like a coffee shop oh, this was like at the very early days where I was like okay yeah let's meet for a coffee like mm. I'll try and help and we'll look, go through a CV I spent hours with these people I'd never met before and I'd say well, where have you applied and how are you applying and let's go over your CV and, and they'd list off 10 companies and they're the most predictable companies you can mm. think of it, oh not so much but like oh I'd do Marks and Spencer's graduate scheme or I'd work for Debenham's head office or I'd work for Burberry you know Louis Vuitton and like would name off like the mm. ones your, you want your dad or brother could name. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, huh, but you really want to go into, uh, you know, like, let's say marketing. Have you considered these five brands who are not well established, but they're very in, t in the public eye, but they're very well established in the fashion industry, and even people like Burberry looking to them for marketing inspiration. Yeah. So why don't you apply for them? Because then the moment you want to leave that company, Burberry will snap you up because you worked in that office. And that's completely what I did. My first internship was with Amelia Wickstead. No one who knew who she was. She had a tiny little office in a basement. And even I am guilty of applying for it just because I liked the sound of the role. Going for the interview and me saying to mum, mum, no one's ever heard of her. Like, mm. everyone at uni is, gonna, is like working for ASOS. And I just, am I going to really work for this tiny designer? And she told me to, you know, pull my socks up and go oh. to the interview. Mm. And then every single job interview I had after that, I still, when I left, she wasn't uh, she wasn't in vogue and she wasn't having Anna Winter attend her show. She mm. still was, I was only there for about two months. She still wasn't picking up. Yeah. So I still didn't really know how popular she would become. But every single interview I had then, whether they were, uh, you know, at Burberry or PR agencies or French Connection, where I worked, is, I can't believe you worked at Amelia Wexter. And I sat in the interview being like, you know shit. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, yeah I know, she's incredible, right? Yeah. Because you, uh, and this is my, the best advice I could ever give is, you have no idea who the person sitting opposite yeah. knows. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. And not just like knows in terms of connections, but... For instance, I could really like a podcast and be really embarrassed to tell you about it. But imagine if you knew you knew it also, mm -hmm. and you were like, "We've just made friends like that." <laughs> like I yeah. know that I got certain internship based on how impressed the interviewer was that I'd even decided to work there, mm -hmm. because they they were all watching Amelia Wickstead. They all knew that she'd become the next one based on her designs and her marketing. Mm -hmm. I had no idea, but they didn't know that, so they thought wow, you were quite, like, forward-thinking, and you yeah. you knew what we knew, and you're only 18, mm. and you're a uni student, so how impressive that you didn't go down the obvious route. Um, and that was a complete fluke, and then after that happened, I did my research onto mm. smaller brands that were being really recognised in industry, but not in the public eye, mm. and when I was smarter in my choices, because I wanted to work for brands that were industry-recognised, but yet my parents or my best friend who's not in fashion would have no idea who they were. Yeah. So what is your journey? So obviously you've done, how, like how many internships did you do? I think I did about seven. Seven, mm. and were they all unpaid? Uh, my last one uh, in New York was paid, but that was because I basically came back as a freelancer. So right. I technically 
was like a freelance intern, but it was I was on freelance already. But yeah, all my all my internships were on paid. So then you did your final year at uni, right? Mm-hmm. So then, like, what advice would you give to those people? Well, early graduates, I suppose that are. Well, people still doing that degree. Yeah, or maybe they've just finished uni mm-hmm. and they're you know still unemployed, looking for a job, mm-hmm. but like a job that you know, it's something that they want to go into and it's it's graduate level, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, what, what well, are your I tips? Think, I think that? it's hard because I think there's two types of graduates. There's graduates who have, based on numerous reasons, whether they couldn't afford to do a placement year, they never had the opportunity to intern, mm-hmm. or tons of circumstances, which means they have zero experience on their CV, mm-hmm. but yet they would love to work for a graduate scheme for a brand or a company and probably have the uh you know first class degree two one behind them mm-hmm. but yeah they don't have any experience i would advise those people to do as much outside of work as they can mm-hmm. i.e their personal brand online i.e the dots profile linkedin has to be mm-hmm. super clean mm-hmm. Uh, but also bigging up who they are as people as much as possible yeah. because people hire personalities, they don't hire yeah, minds anymore. Yeah. What are your um, like thoughts on LinkedIn? Because I'm actually recently graduated and I did like a fashion marketing degree and luckily enough now like I found a job but I literally currently right now and they'll be listening. Like I have a lot of friends who are really struggling to like mm. find jobs and you know I think they'll be really interested to listen to this and your advice. Mm. But yeah, like I found LinkedIn quite hard to mm. kind of find jobs. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say that LinkedIn is the best to find a job, no. but I think everyone needs to be on it and oh, yeah, have a profile and, and not just, oh yeah, I have a profile, like I know that they can find me if I want. Like LinkedIn should be as immaculate as your personal yeah. Instagram is mm. to your friends. So like... Think about how much you care about your personal Instagram to your friends and family and the guy you're dating. Your LinkedIn should have that much care as mm. if... as Like, imagine you you never could hand in a CV again and only people would hire yeah. you based on your LinkedIn. Like, that is how... <laughs> but that is how... And I know that it sounds really boring and obvious, but the amount of people that I have reviewed applications for where their LinkedIn doesn't match their CV... Yeah, and LinkedIn is is the technical and digital version of your CV. Therefore, understand that the hiring manager is going to prefer to look at that digitally than on a piece of paper. First of all, they're never going to print your CV off. But they also, that's way more effort of opening a PDF file Mm. from an email than it is quickly searching your name. Also, they want to see a photo of you. Do you think it's important for them to be socially active on LinkedIn? So kind of... Oh, my God. This got pitch back. We can do it in the dark. We've had a fun. power cut. <laughs> does that mean? Does that mean it's not going to record though? No, it's recording. It's fine. Um. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, socially active mm-hmm. and about. Um, sorry, I actually need like human interaction. <laughs> <laughs> I no, I do think that um, with LinkedIn. Do you think it's important for people to be socially active? So what I mean by that is when 
you follow trends, you follow people and mm -hmm. you share things and you have your own opinion on there mm -hmm. or maybe you're going to certain events mm -hmm. and you kind of share what you have learned mm -hmm. from that event, who you've met, mm -hmm. you know, all these kind of things. Yeah, for sure. I think... I think when considering applying for any role, you have to consider where you're going into, i.e. if you're going down the marketing, social media, PR, creative route, your personality and applications have to mirror that. Yeah. So if you go on any of them, like people will look at your Instagram, so they'll look at anything they can mm. of you. They'll go on, they'll type your name in Google and go on images and news, like yeah. they will find anything. And if you're not mirroring the behaviour of someone who would sit in that job, i.e. someone who is sharing, posting, commenting, liking, following, mm. joining groups, you're not showing the behaviour and personality of someone who should do that job. Yeah. On the flip side, if you're going into a role that is much more numbers orientated or is all about spreadsheets and strategy and is less creative and social the people hiring aren't looking out for that behavior doesn't mean you shouldn't do it because you don't know uh, if that hiring manager likes the fact that you shared a WGSN trend report and mm. you want to become a garment technologist yeah. that just shows that you're socially aware and you're smart but I don't think it's something that you have to hammer down and all of a sudden do a social media course in. Yeah. But going on to how active you should be and how you can be active, I think on LinkedIn you should be at least doing the bare minimum, i.e. your connections or people you have mm. as friends, let's say. Why aren't you liking their stuff, especially if they are in job roles that you aspire to be. Mm. The amount of people that I am connected to and I would consider connections now purely based on the fact that I liked their work anniversary yeah. is incredible. Yeah. yeah. Because, as I said, never assume someone else's behaviour. So never assume when they're on their own LinkedIn and they receive a notification that they're not having a really crap day at work and they're bored yeah. and they're not going to click on your profile. Mm. Don't assume you're anonymous so to them, especially yeah. if you interact with them. Yeah. And a number one question I constantly get asked is, I love LinkedIn, I love stalking people because it's really good to understand how people's career journey is and I completely mm. agree. But why would, you know, so-and-so who's the head of garment technology at Whistles accept me? And I went, yeah, why would she? But why wouldn't you add her and find out if she does? Yeah, like, no, yeah. I did that recently no. with my company's, like, CEO. I did it with our vice president yeah. of um, marketing, thinking, well, they're not, I don't think mm. they're going to accept. They probably don't know who I am or whatever. Mm. I've got accepted. Yeah, and I'm not surprised. Like, I was so, like, perfect. I think sometimes you kind of, if it's like the CEO or whatever, it's attached to kind of like the yeah. status that mm -hmm. they're, you know, yeah. they haven't got the time of day. Mm -hmm. But actually, ev everyone's different. And, yeah. you know, it, every individual is different. And I've, with my mentality, I'm just like, you've got nothing to lose by even messaging mm -hmm. them or contacting yeah, them. Because so mm -hmm. you literally just don't know. And that's, yeah. you know. Well, if yeah. you saw them in Sainsbury's, you wouldn't know whether they had CEO attached to their yeah, exactly. status. Mm -hmm. But you'd still be like, oh, sorry, or you'd be like, mm -hmm. you know, you'd still speak to them like a normal human. So it's yeah. like, and like the, and the why people, do we do that? And the people mm -hmm. who are always so shy to do those things are always the first people to tell you about success stories 
mm. of when their friend or a friend did something like that and mm. then got offered a job like yeah. oh my goodness my you know friend of a friend or my friend's neighbour you know mm. just asked the CEO out for coffee mm. and now she's got a pay rise and she's got a job promotion like how cool is that I was like yeah because she did the steps yeah. that I'm either telling you to or that you yeah. want to do <laughs> yeah. but you're so yeah. shy to like yeah. people don't get all of this stuff no. from doing nothing no, no, yeah. but I do get that if you're 18 and you don't understand your position yet mm. and you don't understand what's acceptable and what's not but you should always see those things as there are barriers for entry and if they don't want to accept you first of all you'll forget who you've even asked to connect with so mm. you won't take it personally mm. but also I'm sometimes, especially when I hit a certain level in my previous job, I was shocked at how little I was contacted mm-hmm. and how many people, uh, student level, um, how many people didn't add me. Because yeah. I was like, oh, if it was me, I can remember being 20 or 19 and adding every marketing manager I possibly could, yeah. even if I didn't know the brand. Yeah, no, someone to follow their journey. Yeah. So what, how would you advise people, like contacting people like managers oh, and stuff I like don't downplay yourself you yeah. like be yeah. confident so I read articles right articles an article that when I was on my placement year actually it said f- the word just right when you next start writing emails look at how many times you might use the word just I'm just wondering if da 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 or like, you know, just, yeah. just, and I, I would notice that across everywhere because, you know, you're kind of like, just, like, yeah. just so like the word hope. Yeah. yeah. Like hope you don't mind. Take it yeah. out and it makes exactly the yeah. same amount of sense and it sounds stronger. So mm. now obviously like in my job and from when I was in my placement year, I took all my just out and I just became so much more mm. assertive. It doesn't mm. sound rude, it just sounds stronger. Yeah. Mm. But also the kind of people that you're talking to find it incredibly frustrating when people pussyfoot around them. Yeah. Like there's nothing I really and I try and be as sympathetic as possible and I'm not talking about the intern two for seven side of me because I'm like a soft puppy when it comes to people who contact <laughs> me about that. But now because I'm very senior I get really bored of like people who just need to sort of pull a finger out their ass. it's yeah. like oh I'm so sorry I'm like why are you sorry and I almost take the big sister approach she's like oh because you know you know I'm probably really busy I was like oh have you seen my calendar and I can probably come across really weird because I'm like come on like yeah. Yeah. if you just said to me hi Hannah don't suppose you've got five minutes mm. I would never have thought you were rude because the kind of people I'm operating with that's just how you get business done. Yeah. Therefore, all of a sudden, if I'm talking to people who are decision makers, right, we've got five minutes, money, 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 business, 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 and I come on LinkedIn, I hope you don't mind me emailing you. I know you're probably really busy. You know, I'm, I'm sure you've got a lot to deal yeah. with and you get this all the time. I'm thinking, bloody hell. Do you know what I mean? Because you also match the behaviour that they're used to. Yeah. Talk to them how they're used to be spoken to. Mm. You know what I mean? You wouldn't you wouldn't all of a sudden start formally texting your friends, would you? Mm. So no, sort yeah. of match match behaviour, match seniority, but also, as you said, be completely confident. They don't yeah. apply to you, you're not going to die. Mm. Yeah. 
But you also could gain a hell of a lot. So mm. you mentioned, you said, right, so there's one type of graduate. Mm-hmm. So someone who's not got any experience or for yeah. various reasons they feel really lost. They're coming out of uni and they're thinking, right, how the hell am I meant to get a job compared mm-hmm. to Kate, who's been interning eight times, mm. has managed to do it left, right and centre. But yeah, I'm just as smart as Kate. I've just got, you know, my mm. ideas are just as strong as Kate. Mm. I just haven't had the same sort of journey to graduate. Yeah. So then the second I, graduate... is someone who's smashed it who has right. gained all the no that is true yeah. we're in an industry and tons of different industries whether it's you know food and drink everyone is told to intern and get work experience or you should yeah. be doing more you should be working three jobs at the weekend like that's not new anymore yeah. and that's sad because it's like yeah you've got a internships cool what else kind of mentality mm. which is really really sad but there are so many things you can do whether you're a type one person or even type two person, you're like, I did eight internships and I still can't get a job. Because that still uh, exists. That's basically yeah. how I was. Yeah. So you have to find ways to elevate who you are and what you have done that uh, screams out to the person on the other end. So are you on every, in my opinion, uh, social media network for career development? Mm-hmm. So are you on the dots? Are you on LinkedIn? Is all your stuff up to date? Uh, don't assume that the people don't care about the fact that you run marathons and you're super into swimming because the hiring manager also might be super into marathons and really mm. into swimming. Mm. That doesn't mean, as I sort of joke all the time and people always quote me on this, it doesn't mean that you talk about your Kellogg's badge that you got when you're four. No <laughs> one gives a shit about that. <laughs> but what what makes you interesting? What can you do that uh, that makes you sort of spark out a little bit more? Mm. And there's tons of things and, and you can do freelance work you can work from home and do uh, almost volunteer so for instance if you are interested in social media or you've just graduated you've just done a marketing degree you've got no social media experience can you uh, find some really small people on Instagram DM them send them an email and say look I want to help out with your social media. I'll dedicate, you know, three hours of my week. I'll plan your social media content for you. I'll send it over to you, and then you've got content for the week. Mm-hmm. And that's three hours of your work. You get to put a company so, in. That's a good idea. You get to put a company on your CV. They will be unbelievably grateful to you because they can't afford a social media mm-hmm. agency. They probably don't even have a social media manager. The founder's probably doing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll give you a glowing reference. And also, you've got no idea where that company's going to go. As I always say, ASOS started with two people, and look at it now. Yeah. Every yeah. company that's small starts small, and it will get oh, somewhere. Yeah. Think back to the gym chart guy, like he literally created it in his garage or whatever. Yeah. And now, yeah. and imagine being like yeah, global. And he, he's a great example because yeah. the person he um, he was quite savvy on business and design, mm. and he knew where it wanted to go. But he, when he was developing the female range, he uh, didn't have a girlfriend at the time. His mum wasn't fashionable, mm. didn't have a sister, and many female friends he had didn't go mm. to the gym. So a random girl messaged him on LinkedIn and Instagram was like, I'm super into fitness, mm. super into social media, let you help me out. She's now like head of social for Gymshark and she's 23. Yeah. Because people that like that take you on a journey. And yeah. I know a lot of your listeners might be thinking, oh, but one in a million. But, okay, you might reach out to that brand, offer to their social media, and then they don't do anything for two yeah. years. But 
what you gained was owning a social media channel, yeah. uh, glowing reference, uh, taking a chance, and also doing a nice thing, mm-hmm. but also uh, the hiring manager who hires you for the next job has no idea where that, that company is now, has no idea what you actually did for them. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, every CV I get, I don't sort of look up where that company that they worked for mm-hmm. six years ago is now. I'm like, no one's got time for that. Mm-hmm. So by you doing small things, that's three hours of work, you don't have to leave your bedroom. There's no expensive involved. Okay, you could argue time. Mm-hmm. But, oh my God. I but mean, if it's something you enjoy anyway, because if you yeah. want to go into social media, I mean, mm. you probably got to enjoy yeah. it so and that's one it's like ex- a mini project and just on the flip side so I, I know i give social media because it's 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 a good example in terms of how to do it flexible and people might say oh but i'm really interested in something a bit more like nerdy numbers you could be uh wanting to get into garment technology again never have had any experience but you might um contact a freelance trend forecaster, mm. someone who regularly works with Trendstop or WGSN, and basically say, um, look, I have no experience, I live in Sheffield, there's no trend forecasting agencies near me, can I work with you for a few hours a week? You give me three tasks on a Google Doc, I will complete them almost like homework. Mm. And that could be research tasks, it could be going to a local event, it could be tons of different stuff. Mm. Uh, it could be researching like materials, whatever it may be. I will do all of that work on a Google Doc. You can review, use it if you wish. Then can you basically yeah, give me cool. an internship? Mm-hmm. And I think what you need to do as someone who feels disadvantaged, either not getting a graduate job and I've just done a degree, what the hell, mm-hmm. all the way down to I've had no experience I'm going up against loads of girls and guys who've got tons of experiences get off your ass and figure out a way. Yeah. And the way you'll do that is by putting the idea in that company's head. So going to that social media yeah. person and telling them what you can do for them and not being scared to show your value and what you can produce, yeah. but also going to that trend forecasting lady and being like, this is even how we can do it. We can do it all on a Google Docs. We both can work off the same document. You write down three tasks for a week. I will fill out the tasks underneath each of those mm. points because it's Google Doc. You can be writing comments. Yeah. And you're almost showing them how easy it could be and so taking out the stress. And that's out. two examples. I honestly could go on. Yeah. Well, that kind of helped you get your job, right? Yeah. So, like, a lot of people, or well, a few people kind of, you know, for, so basically throughout uni, like, I did a lot of interning and I was, like, freelancing as well. And sometimes I'd kind of get people saying, oh, how do you get that? How do you do that? But I literally had... The mentality of I don't really care like what anyone thinks. Like I'm gonna message you. I'm mm-hmm. gonna be confident. I'm gonna say, oh, can I come do this or can I come work with you? And uh-huh. I was just like really driven. And you know, I have managed to kind of build up my experience. Um, and yeah, I mean, I did kind of come out of uni and I had so much experience, and I did, I did kind of expect that I would get a job and actually I've faced the reality now that it's it's very hard it is very competitive but at the same time I'm kind of sitting here now reflecting on it that whole experience of intern and freelancing it has it has helped me because you know I've built up a lot of skills um, and experience and I guess that has got me the job so Mm. I think it is well you can also never pinpoint a specific thing that you'll do we're all you know this will never stop I'm never going to stop doing this you know Mm. whether it's me coming here this evening getting Mm. 
another podcast under my belt or learning how to speak about something new mm. is you'll always just be trying to pick up fruit along the way mm. that hopefully one day will all mean something. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, the period we're talking about is we've decided to go to university, therefore what can we do that makes the pot at the end seem more valuable when really you might get to the end and it's okay to admit definitely not what I expected Mm. I mean I've got friends who spent I mean a bit like me actually spent four years drilling away at the fashion industry came out got the dream job at ASOS with the dream salary Mm. eight months down the line incredibly unhappy Mm. and actually facing the reality of oh my god I've just spent four years doing a degree that I thought would be my life And I oh, that was literally me. Yeah, and and that and then you'll always get examples of the people who did all the things, got all the money in the pot, landed the graduate role, is now maybe two steps up and you know, flying high or as everyone believes they are, mm. and to everyone else, oh they got it right. Did they? Are they just on a different sort of side of their journey? But I think it's we all can just do the best we can, but what I will never not do is give yourself the best fighting chance. Mm. And although, as I said, people might listen being like, you've come from a place of privilege in terms of my upbringing. I did, but I also didn't start it how everyone else did. Okay, I grew up in an area that was close to London. I, I went to uni in Nottingham. I still had to travel and commute. But you're being funny. It sounds like you've worked blinging I was about to say. Oh, you, no, I have. Yeah. No, I do you know, get a lot of, you're very you, lucky. You equally you could have not chosen to do all the interning. And oh, yeah. Oh, I do. Oh, mentally, mentally and privately, I, I you know, I, yeah. I swear at those people. But I do get... I get you oh you're very lucky but in the grand scheme of things I am lucky because I also was located in an area that made it easier yeah. um, and, and there'll be sides to every case I still had to attend the interview get the job yeah. do yeah. a do good job and get a good reference and mm. work my ass off to, to get it but there are people who are probably feeling really demotivated because they don't feel like they've got the best fighting chance mm. and my advice is okay, there will be things you can do. So you currently have to be at home because your mum's really ill. Mm. Go down the three hours a a week route. Do you know what I mean? Go to the local person and start doing their social media. It might not be the sexiest thing in the world, but then you've got social media on your belt. Once you've got that on your belt, you can go to somewhere sexier. I think sometimes we um, put our expectations so high. Mm. We're like, oh, we want this full-time job. It's amazing. But actually, the reality is, you know, you need to start maybe just doing. Just I think it's that, but I think it's comparison. So, like in one of our previous podcasts, one of my favorite quotes, I love quotes. Um, comparison is a thief of joy, mm-hmm. and I think when you think of careers, for me personally, anyway, you've got LinkedIn, big platform. Yes, we've all got to use it. You know, you talk to your friends. Like, oh, I've got this job. Oh no, I'm struggling to get a job. Or mm-hmm. you're looking at people being able to go on holiday. Or mm-hmm. A freelancer, yeah, and you always think the grass is greener on the other side, 100%. right? So, like, I've always done nine to five work, and I've never been a freelancer. But in the back of my mind, sometimes I do think, oh, you know, like, oh, getting to travel with your work, all this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and sounds all exciting. But then when I speak to the freelancers, they think 
they'll say to me, like, think oh, the grass is green. Like, yeah, <laughs> and I want to know what I'm getting paid and all this stuff. Like right. some work. So it's like different yeah. stresses, but you're constantly comparing yourself. Yeah. And it's as well, like, I've been in a situation where, no, obviously, yeah, I've been in a situation where, um, you know, some of my friends are developing and moving up the scale and getting promoted and all mm-hmm. this stuff. And then you're thinking, God, I've been in here a year and a half and I haven't been promoted yet. Mm. But it's like, if that hadn't have happened or I hadn't spoken about that, I'd probably, you know, I'm doing my own thing. Like, mm. I'm taking it at my own step. I think... Mm. I think it's good to compare to some extent because it yeah, pushes I do, you. I do agree with that because I think that comparison as well is also, as long as, if everyone was talking honestly and being authentic and mm-hmm. for people who can't see me, I'm sort of doing quotes quote yeah. marks because yeah. it makes me feel a bit ill, that word. Um, <laughs> but for instance, Rosie, who's on our site as a writer, uh, unbelievably smart. She worked in the beauty industry for, I think it was like seven years, and then all of a sudden wanted to work in fashion and thought, okay, that transition will be fairly easy. No, it wasn't, and at the age of 28, she became an intern for the first time, while all of her friends were getting married, saving for houses, mm-hmm. and she went from having, uh, she won't mind me saying this, by the way, before anyone jumps on me, um, <laughs> <laughs> rude, talking about her life ever, um, but, but she talks about it on the site, and I think, how cool is that that someone else who might be wanting to change industry because also I might get to 28 and think oh my god I now hate what I'm doing I'm going to become like I'm going to go own a bakery Mm -hmm. and I just think the more honest we all are especially as women to be open and honest about our career choices and why we're deciding to do certain things Mm. and the fact that everyone's greenery is sometimes really green and sometimes bloody brown. Yes. And because like, people say it to me all the time and I actually really struggled for it a really long time, especially after starting the blog, is I came back from uni and I didn't share much on my personal Instagram so no one really knew what I'd been doing because I wasn't one to share a lot. But then mm-hmm. when the intern came about and I'm guessing through people whispering... People, start, people from my course started following it, all of a sudden it was a, oh my God, as mm. if you were doing that last Friday night, or what were, the, what were they like, or you've had such an amazing intern experience, and all I've been doing is, you know, sat up in an office being paid, but like typing in numbers all the time. Mm. And I was like, first of all, I'm adding to, I, I, at the time it was, um, because the photos were seen as a highlight reel and not many people were reading the captions where I was much more honest. And that's when we started to start changing the imagery just in case mm-hmm. people weren't uh, really understanding the true reflection of what we were talking about. But I got it a lot. Like, mm-hmm. your life is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really struggled for it for a really long time. Like, because to a lot of people, and especially the readers, my life was incredible. It was what they wanted. They were like, mm. you're so lucky. I would kill to have your mm. your CV and your connections and to be invited to these things and to be asked to be on podcasts mm. and asked to give lectures. And there were moments where I was like, I feel very, very lucky. But I was also, at the time, an incredibly stressed 22-year-old mm. who was being asked to do stuff way above my realm and also 
feeling like I've just graduated, I've got no idea what degree grade I've got, so have I just wasted the past four years? Mm. I'm writing a blog that 20,000 people a month are reading and they're waiting on my every word for them to help me with career advice. I was really struggling with my personal life in terms of relationships and my relationship with my family. Uh, I was all of a sudden having to move to London and not knowing whether I wanted to move back to New York. Privilege point, may I add. First world problem right there. But I was I was incredibly busy, stressed, lonely, sad, overwhelmed 22-year-old. But to everyone else, wow, what a problem to have. Because I had the most incredible life. And now looking back on it, now that I'm in a better state and I understand how to handle stresses and lots of stuff, I do think, wow, what a journey. But at the time, all I wanted was to be in a healthy relationship, Mm. to have one job, to have one email to respond to, and to not have thousands of people being like, Hannah, why aren't you replying to my emails? Mm. I think it's about becoming educated that, like, our lives can look glamorous through social media or whatever we're doing, but actually, like... There is a We all have a story yeah. to tell, right? Mm. Like, we all have ups and downs. And but I, I do think as well it comes from... Because I think deep down we all know that... I'm now very good. I don't follow any um, bloggers because it Neither doesn't, doesn't, yeah. doesn't work with my mental health. But we're all very guilty of looking at a woman in the tube who has got, like, the nicest handbag, looks gorgeous... She's probably holding hands with someone who's dropped dead gorgeous and imagining, <laughs> and, and we do, we imagine their yeah. lives. So it's fantasizing. We do, we fantasize them. So even if I put up a very normal Instagram image, which wasn't me at some fancy hotel, but it might have just been me and my coffee, let's say, I know there'll be people, because I do it myself, who will be wondering where I am, how expensive the cafe will be, what I'm wearing while I'm drinking the coffee, who who am I with, have I had a good day, probably have had a good day because she's on Instagram, (laughs) and like I think I haven't even screamed and shouted about all of that, but I think we also do it to ourselves, I don't think we can always blame the people who aren't being honest on social media, No, I think we do it, our own mental health puts thoughts and words, it's the comparison thing as well isn't it? So it I'm is. not doing that. So what? Why am I not doing that? Yeah, it's kind of... ludicrous. So actually, I wanted to touch on. Uh, it's a big topic, and obviously we haven't talked for a while, but I'm quite interested in it. Is the impost? Is it imposter syndrome? Mm, massively. So yeah. like you kind of touched on the fact mm. that you felt like that, right? Oh my, I still do. Yeah. Mm. So how how do you combat that? Like when you're, it doesn't even need to be. You know, like with the position that you, you're saying that you're in a higher position mm-hmm. I take it you're probably managing people now yeah, yeah. yeah so it's like it's not even about that it's like you know when you're on a call it I mean it could be about that but I mean you know when you're on a call and you're with managers and stuff mm-hmm. and you're kind of thinking why am I like can I speak like mm. do I have the authority to speak and it's like yes you do mm. but it's like how do you combat that internal yeah, monologue it's really you know? hard because I do think deep down it comes down to self-worth and how we all mm. feel about ourselves but um and weirdly reg- disregarding my work life I'm very personally quite strong in terms of how I view myself and and the thoughts I tell myself I'm, I'm mm. fine with but when I come to work I don't know if it's based on hitting 18 and feeling like I had to bloody boss it mm. or mm. 
growing up with incredibly strong parents in terms of their work ethic and my mum being the breadwinner and she was a head teacher so always looking at her as being the top underneath so many people mm-hmm. and me feeling like right well that's obviously what I have to achieve uh, but growing up in a very strong feminist household I was took on the <laughs> took on that um, responsibility quite heavily um, so then when I was achieving it all and I don't know if this this shows insecurity but I don't feel like I got praise So then, Mm -hmm. because I didn't get praise, I didn't understand why the success was happening to me. Mm. Uh, I knew that I was clearly good at it. I knew that I'm not sort of that slow where Mm. I I realised I wasn't faking people that much. But Mm. I still didn't understand the reasoning. I I thought I was good at what I did. It's almost like you needed positive reinforcement. Yeah, I I needed... Uh, like almost like a little girl mentality I needed yeah. to be told what I was good at and why yeah. and given a pat on the back and you don't get that when you're 18 mm. uh, even to my age now you don't get that a lot by older people you get that when you're in your 30s because it's more visible when you're doing things well because you're earning money for the company or you're bringing in clients or whatever it may yeah. be your, your role and what you do for them is more obvious and I think when you are younger and you are figuring out and you're sort of having small wins, it's very hard to feel like you're doing a good job and that you deserve the place at the table because you feel like so many people could be sat at that position. Mm, I, definitely, I definitely suffer with it. I definitely. Mm. Only recently, actually, like I've always been quite strong and mm. in myself and self-worth, but... Yeah, I think going into a full-time job, I don't know, I just self-doubt myself yeah. a little bit. I, and I it, don't know. It, it probably comes because you've, as you, as you mentioned, you found it really hard getting there. Mm. Therefore, you never really feel like mm. it's yours or it can oh, be God, taken yeah. away. Yeah. And, for instance, my, my whole thought was I went to as we mentioned, a university where I had the same education, we were told to do the same sorts of internships, yet we all pivoted and did different stuff. But I, every stage of my life, even down to in my education from secondary school, I did the same as what I needed to do to than everyone else. Therefore, why am I sat at this table and not Joe Bloggs down the road? because you don't really personally get told what it is about you yeah you get told that you you made the requirements but so did Kate or so did so and so like what was it about me and when you get the job you get told why you don't get jobs i.e wasn't a right company fit or that is a whole other subject yeah Yeah. or your feedback of it and why do we get told the feedback of why you didn't get a job i.e oh so and so had a little bit more experience Mm. so we get told all the negatives Mm. but when we get a job because they think it's unprofessional basically slamming down the other candidates Mm. they never say just let you know you got the job because Mm. of x y and z therefore you the moment you get a job, you're obviously thrilled, you know you've done something right, but you still don't know the exact reason you're sat at the table, because you understand how competitive yeah. it is. You, you're not ludicrous in thinking you're not one in ten. You're thrilled to have got at the table, but you still don't know what it is about you. So I think the reason we all suffer with imposter syndrome is 
being British and not complimenting, especially in the workplace. I think that's why it's so important, though, to have continuous contact with your manager. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I feel like that's what's really helped me recently mm-hmm. um, kind of own the stage a bit more, like, with my projects and that, because having that continuous contact of, like... You've got this. Uh, what do you think my role is? Like, you know, mm-hmm. asking those questions that you might not... You kind of have an idea... But, you know, kind of build, opening that rapport up with your mm. manager mm. and just being honest. Mm. I think being honest with about how you're feeling. I also think as well is, is when we talk about um, imposter syndrome, for me personally, it's all about age and feeling like um, before oh, we start yeah. record- yeah. recording, I was talking about how I, ever since... Actually, even when I was interning, I was sitting at tables with people potentially 10 years older than me mm. with 10 years more experience. In, it is experience. And me oh, sort yeah. of sitting there thinking, oh my God. Maybe that don't mess up. That's why I'm feeling like that as yeah. well. Because I'm like the second youngest or whatever. No, I'm one of the youngest in my Yeah, world. and it almost... I've been in an environment where I felt really strong, like confident and... But now I'm in an environment where, like, there is people with much more experience mm. than me and they've been in the company, like, mm. longer and it almost makes you feel, like, quite low. You've got, yeah, like, you're at the bottom again. Yeah. yeah. I think it goes through stages because I was talking to my mum about this who, when I was opening up to her, I was like, oh, my God, mum's never going to have been able to, like, experience this. She's just, like, the boss of life. <laughs> and she says, she said to me, go through stages of imposter syndrome where you feel really you feel it really intensely when you're young and you're working with older people mm-hmm. but that will change when you get older and you're no longer the, no, you're no longer the youngest mm-hmm. or that you have a more developed relationship with your team therefore you are, mm-hmm. they understand your worth they understand mm-hmm. why you've been hired they understand your knowledge and what you can bring mm-hmm. but she, mum also said that you then get to a stage where you are entering a new area of your career so you all of a sudden might be a manager or you might be a director or you might finally have got to that seat at the table that you've been working up to mm-hmm. and you still feel like a little girl inside like yeah <laughs> that's literally what I said to you I feel like a little girl yeah like, I, I don't like that feeling that's nuts all. but my mum I mean she's retired now but when she she then went on to work for the, uh, the government in the education department and when she was 55 She'd been told her whole career how incredible her teacher she was and awards this and awards that and you're the first female who's done this. So she was walking around feeling pretty good about herself. But she then got to one table that she wasn't used to with a load of white males Mm. and all of a sudden she felt like a little girl again and she was 55 with 40 years experience under her belt. Mm. And it's It's like, I don't think that feeling goes, but what I do think we can all... Uh, do better is understanding why we were put at the table and not being afraid to own that there's like yeah believing in it there's nothing I hate more than when my friends show signs of insecurity in the workplace and I'm not talking about being vulnerable uh, doesn't have its benefits I do believe that but sort of putting yourself down First of all, it's such an unattractive trait, and we all are guilty of it. But how much nicer is it saying, "Oh no, when I was working at that company, uh, it it was very successful, and the department I was on did very, very well," compared to, 
oh, you know, um, yeah, it, 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 went, it went quite well. And, you know, um, it, was, it was really a team effort. And if I'm honest, probably actually the managers did more of the work. Which one sounded better? The one when I was like, no, and you, you're sort of way more stronger yeah, in your opinion. Yeah, yeah. And I think we can all learn about our value and what we bring to the table and just constantly telling yourself of, I put myself at the table through hard work, but someone more experienced than me said yes to me being at the table yeah. and trust their opinion because they have way much they have way more to lose putting someone wrong at the table yeah like basically not hiring correctly yeah. and not not seeing potential mm -hmm. than you do of messing up the job so mm -hmm. you know the the person who just hired me i was like she's got it wrong i don't deserve the salary mm -hmm. i don't deserve the job title i don't deserve the responsibilities mm -hmm. and my mum was sort of saying pack it in she's under way more pressure that you're mm -hmm. going to mess up then you're putting yourself I've never under. really thought of no, it like that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah, I'd never really thought of it from, like, the pressurising mm. side of the hiring manager. Because, mm. yeah, they actually have to make, do well. You make them look good yeah. if you exceed in your job. Oh, my goodness, right. yeah. So. Whether they're based on a commission. And the number one uh, job interview advice I was given when I was younger and I will always give to people, uh, which is very similar theme, is... You are also interviewing them. Yeah, I so love that. You well, always always that. Yeah. When you're walking into the room and you're nervous and you're shitting a brick, you also have to understand that they are the person opposite you wants you to be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like it's like going on a first date and you're being really nervous. It's like we're going to that first date and thinking. <laughs> That guy wants this to go awfully. <laughs> he wants to have a terrible time. He wants to never see me again. And, you know, he, he also so wants this to be shit. Yeah. No, he's coming to meet yeah. you, hoping yeah. you're incredible. Yeah. So you both so have a great... And then going to that interview, she, she or he, whoever's doing the hiring, wants this process to end. She wants to find the golden nugget so she can walk upstairs and say, we found them. Yeah. And they're incredible. Therefore, all you have to do is hand over your experience, yourself, your personality and who you are and say, right, quiz me on it because this is who I am mm. and I'm, I'm the fit if, if you can see that and mm. if not, you have to keep going. Yeah. And God, you motivated me. Yeah, it's true though because yeah, it's, yeah that that's quite definitely like, how like my mindset with it. Yeah, it's like a, and as well, let's like, hope this both goes yeah. well for the best of us yeah. because yeah. you're all you have to. And this is, goes back to it again. Never assume what the other person on the other side is thinking because you will always be it's wrong. So easy I'm to do it though, isn't that. it? Yeah, I'm terrible. Well, thank you so much. No, for not at all. Thank you. You've been so inspiring. I feel like so much value. We could literally. Carry I feel like I've learned so much. I want you to look at my CV. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Anytime. thank you so much. No, of course. No, thank you for Also, do you want to just like share like where people can find your blog? Um, yeah. Platform, let's call it platform. Um, the, just to let you know, people know, the reason I don't call it a blog anymore is because blog is on Google is seen as a personal platform. And right. I very much feel like the intern 247 isn't mine anymore, mm -hmm. just because we have so many people that contribute to it and mm -hmm. it hasn't felt like mine for a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, that's so like a collaboration. Yeah, 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 it really is. It's like uh, you might go on there and not see me. I've written a post for. 
I don't know, let's say 10 days and you've not seen my name for a while. Mm. Therefore, I think, who am I to walk around with, you know, mm. sort of like business cards and say it's all mine. I find it really obnoxious. Um, <laughs> anyway, no, the intern247 um, is, dot com is uh, the website with the intern247 on anything. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my accounts are private because I'm super boring online. Um, no, you guys can all add me on LinkedIn, all the dots, um, and actually do add me. And don't be afraid to message me. <laughs> yeah, I've got dots. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, you can just Google my name and, and something will come up that you might be of interest. <laughs> I'm very boring. It's like uh, people were, every time I do a guest lecture and people, um, find the intern and then obviously because people are just interested they try yeah. and follow me on my personal and I'm um, I'm all private and they're like for someone who has a blog I find it really weird that you're private accounts so I was like yeah because I'm super boring <laughs> <laughs> nothing about me is cool um, <laughs> so yeah that's well, thank you, you so much yeah, yeah. you're more than welcome thank you Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe. You can get involved and join our Forever Friends community on our social media pages at Forever Friends Pod, where you can like, share and comment. Have a great day. We'll be back in two weeks time. See you later, alligator. In a while, crocodile.